Welcome to the Permission to Be You podcast, a podcast that is designed to inspire, to push, and to provoke you into giving yourself the permission to be you. I'm your host, Anne Schwireb, and today's guest is Anke Herman. Today's conversation is living proof of how important it is, of the power there is in giving yourself the permission to show up exactly the way you are. So, make yourself a cup of coffee, or a cup of tea for that matter, sit back and enjoy. You're in for a real treat. Today, my guest is someone who actually inspired me to start my podcast, Anke. I'm not really good on introductions, Anke, and what I did with my other guests, I just asked them to introduce themselves briefly and to talk about what they're doing in this world. That's it. So the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I love being this little pin that poked you in the butt to start your podcast. So I'm very, very excited that I'm here, that it actually has come to life. Beautiful. So, well, yeah, short introduction. Yeah, I grew up in East Germany behind the wall. And I always say this is probably the reason for a lot of what I've done in life because I've always had the sense that these walls or, you know, those borders were very narrow and there was a sense of uh, I can't spread my wings and a sense of being closed in and caged in. And so the moment I saw an opportunity to get out, <laughs> I was like, okay. And, and that has also shifted my perspective of what's at stake for things. Because getting out of East Germany was really a one-way ticket. It was like, okay, and well, you could sort of try and jump the wall. I didn't do that. I went sort of the official route. I applied to be let out and, you know, and then you basically get sent home, get told you're kind of totally full of it and this just doesn't even exist and what on earth do you even want here? And so you're basically done in the country so that you, all your prospects of advancement in any way are done in that moment but then you never knew how long it would take until they let you out if they let you out and when the notification came it was like okay you've got two weeks and you're out and you just have enough time to sort of wrap up stuff you needed a lot of people to sign that they're okay for you to leave and whatever and then two weeks later you're you're told which train to get on and then you're out and you know you will not ever be allowed back and basically you won't ever see anybody again who you leave behind, you know, except your grandparents because pensioners could travel. But so, and that still seemed like a small price to pay compared to staying on that little train, you know, on the little train path, the train track that you were sort of put on at the beginning. So I didn't, but then when people say, Oh, what you moved to Australia or you started a business in Spain. That's like, what's the big deal? 
you know, there was always that it's just something I feel drawn to doing. And so I moved to different countries and changed careers, ended up moving to Spain in 2004 with this idea. I was like, oh, let's just start a sewing business. How hard can it be? But it was really always comparing to to that getting out of East Germany. And there was really a sense there's nothing at stake. You know, it's worth trying. I don't want to look back later thinking, hmm, I wonder what life in Spain would have been like. I'd rather know, even if it means I fall flat on my face and Spain doesn't live up to the expectation. And I, so I'd rather know. And if it doesn't live up and if I'm not happy there, nothing stops me from taking my bags and going somewhere else and doing something different. So for me, there was really nothing at stake. So... Yeah, so I did the sewing business. It was challenging in ways that I didn't expect. And out of that, I started to look inside, really found that the key to everything is on the inside. And that was really what got me on that path to become a coach. So I could help other people who want to do something they feel inspired to do but then find, well, actually you really hitting unknown territory with all the traps that come with it and really support people on that journey and inspire as many people as I can to follow <laughs> the pull of inspiration. Yeah, and you inspired me for so. Um, and that's why we're having this conversation. When I launched this in our little group, you wrote, love it, being you. And yes, I'd love to be a guest. As a recovered people pleaser, I couldn't agree more with your message. Can you expand a little bit more on that and tell me what you, just for the sake of the listeners? Yes, the reason I resonate, resonate so much with permission to be you is because it took me like, I don't know, <laughs> like 40 something years to give myself that permission. So I was literally always the good girl, right? I would always live up to everybody's expectations. And it was really only when I came on that very first holiday, holiday to Spain, to Granada, and I'm like, God, I'd really love to live here. And that thought, sort of that kind of mm, inspiration was there and wouldn't let go, that I actually said, oh, hang on, what if I really did that? And the question that followed was like, okay, so if I really was to move to Spain, what on earth would I do for a living? Because it was, you know, well, I spoke some Spanish, but not enough to just go and get the same kind of IT job that I had in London. So it was really that thing that took me out of the normal context. And there was like, okay, if I could have anything, what would I do? And thinking back, that was in 2002. And it was literally the first time that I had ever, ever asked myself that. What now, do I actually want to do? It, something, Le Leipzig, Leipzig, how do you say that in English? Leipzig. 
Leipzig. Leipzig. Leipzig <laughs> well, that's how you German. say it in German. <laughs> Leipzig. I don't know how it, you say it in English. It seems to me, though, that you started to discover the seed, even though perhaps it was just a spark, way back when you applied to leave East Germany. At that point in time, even though perhaps you had the weight of knowing, now this is never going to work, what is my family going to say? Somehow, when, when, did you, when did you apply? How long ago was this when you wanted to leave Leipzig? How you say it? 87. Yeah, it was like, and it took two years and it was really quite ironic that I was let out in February and the wall came down later that year. So it was like, oh. <laughs> 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 you know, well, and it was funny because even at the time, you know, there was like, everybody will, I would have sworn that it's more likely that they close in, bring, bring the military in, you know, that was for me more likely than that they, that the idea that they would ever open this wall, like nobody ever expected that, not even in July that year, you know, so that was like totally surprising, but it was a bit like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> but well, yeah. So <laughs> what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing here is the parallel I'm seeing here is 87, 88, 2002, you asked yourself that question about moving to Spain. And is that somehow unconsciously you were listening to something stronger, a calling in you that you needed to do more. But I don't know how I'm linking this with the permission to be you more to people pleasing because I think in my in my world that we people please till the day we die to a certain degree. Sure. Not to the same degree perhaps that we did in 1985 when I was 18 and now I'm 52. But I think people pleasing is not something that we can that that is inherently bad. But if you overdo it like I did. <laughs> no, because the re like when that really showed up was when I started the sewing business. Because my mum told me, you're a pushover, you're a people pleaser when I was 10, right? And I never, because she said, your friends take advantage of you. They just say, you know, they just snap and then you jump and you do. And I never felt taken advantage of or anything, you know, like it was never a problem for me. And I actually sometimes think that, you know, the big lesson for me to even have this impulse to come to Spain was that to learn, to find my way of being kind and generous without being walked all over because the thing that actually happened i started the sewing business with all the enthusiasm of the world you know and then you have one client and you know and the next one and and so before you know it there's a bunch of people to, to a sort of bunch of projects to handle at the same time but then you know the first time somebody goes and says oh you know I'm so sorry, I can't make it to the fitting. Can you bring the dress up to the theater later, you know, at, at nine when I'm there? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. Default answer, yes, right? And so I go up there and she goes, oh, thanks so much. You know, like next client calls you. Oh, but I need you to bring that dress wherever. 
because the second, well, you know, that they, all kind of all word of mouth. And later on, I heard and I found out that they said, oh, you just tell her to come wherever and she'll come. Right. And that is all, that is all fine if you have two or three clients, but if you have 20 at the same time, it gets really exhausting. And there was this point when I thought, well, and, and there is a cultural difference clearly, right. That I'd lived in Germany, I'd lived in Australia, I'd lived in the UK and they're all cultures where people are generally quite considerate. Right. So there's all, I, I hope you don't mind. And there's always that I don't want to, overuse somebody's generosity and and spanish people don't have that in the same way like if they want something they'll work out the quickest and easiest way for them to get that and then if that means to get you to do something for them they will ask for it or they will even demand it in a way in a quite a sort of straightforward way in the sense that well it's not my job to protect you if you don't want to do it you have to say it you know, <laughs> and even if you say it, I will still try and emotional blackmail you into giving me what I want. And so, that so was like teacher. Yes. So the universe provided you with Spain as a teacher. Goodness Absolutely. gracious me. Yes. And a tough one and a real tough one because I was like, you know, for me, I would even before coming in that situation, I would hate saying no. I would kind of resent people for putting me in a position. I shouldn't have to say no. You shouldn't even ask for this. Right. <laughs> so, 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 you know, like that was the way I would operate, you know, and it worked well in the corporate environment. It worked well everywhere I'd lived. And then I come to Spain and not only come to Spain, I work for myself. So not there is no, well. I'm missing a part here, you know, to, to, to basically having yes as a default answer ah. had never caused me a problem, you know, in any work environment, you know, like it had just never been a problem because nobody has ever had ever sort of pushed the envelope that I was thinking like, no, this, I just can't handle everything I've said yes to, you know? So that just had never been an issue until not only I come to Spain where people don't hesitate to ask for stuff, but then I also work for myself. So there was no job description to hide behind where, you know, just the nature of the job would protect me from people asking for stuff or I'd have a boss to, be able to hide behind or a team member, that, a team that I could sort of, you know, no, it was just me. So if anybody could say no, it had to be me. And then I thought, well, my idea of what it meant to offer service to my clients was to basically give them what they ask for. Mm. So, and then by 2012, I was like, you know, skinny as shit, you know, cold sores on both sides of my mouth, like basically worn out, burned out to, to the point that I thought, okay, if live your dream, if that's what it is, I want nothing to do with it. You know, mm. so, yeah, so it, and it, it took a long time. Yeah. So it, 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 it learning to, distinguish between a powerful no which is as powerful as yes uh, nearly cost you your health and your well-being absolutely 
because I would also fight it because there was this people around me would say, well, you have to be tough. You have to tell them, you have to put them in their place. Yeah. You know, and there was a moment like, yeah, I have to be tough. But then the same time there was this voice, but I don't want to be like that. You know? And what happened when you started to say no? Well, that was an interest there. That was actually really quite funny because it all kind of came to a screeching halt with this one project of like, I don't know, 50 dresses for a particular performance. And I literally worked through four days, three nights without sleeping, except, except like 20 minutes on the floor next to the dog. Because I knew if I make myself any more comfortable, I'm not going to wake up until an afternoon. <gasps> so it God. was like, yeah. And it was like really literally, it was just hell, hell in, any, in every possible way. And that, after that, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am done. Whatever, you know. You like, swear. I will, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like... Um, so I'm not going to have this anymore. And because there was also that always like, okay, if I say no, then they get pissed off. And then it's a small world. They all talk. It's all been word of mouth. You know, they're quick to kind of bad mouth me. And basically before I know it, I'm going to be without a business and I'm going to be homeless in the street. Right. So that's what prevented me from saying no, even if I thought I would like to, I thought I couldn't. Now I came to the point where I thought, you know what? I no longer care. I literally no longer care. And if that means that they all stay away, so be it. You know, then they can learn to sew themselves and screw you, I'll do something different. And so next time somebody came and said, oh, you know, I need you to come. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sweetheart, I can't do that. She goes, oh, okay, I'll pick it up on Monday. And I'm like, what? Hang on, hang on, wind back a second. <laughs> you know? And that was like, and that, that was like, oh, and, and then I tried it again and the response was similar, you know, and that it was like, that's when I could see that I hadn't suffered from pressure they put on me. I'd suffered from the chain of consequences that I had made up. And mm. that's when I saw that it wasn't true at all, that I had no way of predicting who would get upset with me saying no, who wouldn't, I was basically wrong 90% of the time. Then the other, sometimes people would get a bit peeved off, but that also wouldn't mean that they wouldn't come back, you know? And that's when I like, Oh my God, what have I done to myself? You know? And it really shifted from, Oh, what have these nasty Spanish clients done to me to what have I been doing, doing to myself? myself? Yeah. And that was really, like oh okay so if i can't predict and who am i to think i can predict what somebody else will think anyway then there's no reason to say yes when i actually want to say no and all of a sudden it was no longer the the question of do i have to be tough or have to be walked all over there was all of a sudden this space in the middle where I could say no when I wanted to say no and I could say yes when I wanted to say yes. That space that I had been looking for had basically been right in front of my desk yes. all the time. I'm wondering, Anka, if this, this huge learning experience, your work and saying no, has had 
helped in other areas in your life? Not just saying no. To me, you know, I, read, I just read that quote by Glenn Doyle. I'll read it for the benefit of, of the listeners. Be messy and complicated, afraid and show up anyways. I'm very much a firm believer in showing up in exactly the way I am, even if people don't like it. Has it helped you to, to embrace your, the traits in your personality, perhaps, that you don't like? Yes, absolutely. It, it's really been this sort of, it's like, <laughs> I don't know why I all of a sudden think of this. Like, if you have a ball of wool, and then all of a sudden, or you have a knitted jumper, and then you cut this one string, and all of a sudden it sort of unravels. Yeah. That's what that did for me, because it really, well, first of all, it literally shifted the whole experience of the sewing business, like 180 degrees within literally a few days. And it's really impacted personal relationships because there was this permission to be me. I could just, like, I no longer had to try and guess what other people might want from me and then try and live up to that. Mm. <laughs> All of a sudden I saw that that just seemed like that was actually pretty stupid, like makes no sense at all. <laughs> and the moment I saw how ridiculous that actually was, that whole pressure fell off, fell yeah. off. And it was like, I can be just me. And I can just say, look, I'm up to here. I can't take your order right now. You know? And the same in, in, in personal relationships with friends, whatever, when say, like, oh, I really want you to, you know, oh, sorry, can't do it. And not feel guilty about it. That's, that where I, that's why I kind of, that's what I meant when I said earlier that I resonate with permission to be you so much because I've seen the impact that has. And now I actually see it not only as a luxury or a gift that I can give myself. I almost, well, not almost, I see it as necessary because if I show up as I am, that's the only way I can help other people decide whether they want to connect with me or not. And it brings me back to my belief, well, to my uh, belief, to my uh, concept, uh, is that when we do what you just articulated so beautifully, you, they decide whether they want to work with you or not, they decide whether they want to be your friend or not, they decide whether they want to be in your life or not it gives others permission to do exactly the same. So it's like a domino effect. People will see, people are led by example, by action. We see something happen and we, auto, and it, we, we either resonate with, with it or not and we do it. Yeah. And I think I, unconsciously that being you and this, this wonderful experience that you've had even though at the time probably didn't seem wonderful, um, <laughs> ha, does impact, I think does impact not only those in your immediate circle, but also it has an impact on the world. I really believe this. I agree. 
I agree. I mean, like on a small scale, the impact it has that all of a sudden the people who decide to be in your life, you know, be it personally or professionally, they use, they, like, we're on the same wavelength. You know, all of a sudden you're surrounded by this group of people you resonate with. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all emotional now. <laughs> they have to come. But, and the other people just kind of like, they're not in your life anymore. And it does give permission for other people to just bloody well be the way they are. I love, I love the tears. Thank you. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> and when I think back, it was one of your raw, bloody well, here I am videos that drew me in. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and I remember we actually even talking about when, when I think I sent you a friend request and you're like, who is this? <laughs> who is this? And yeah, it was because I'd seen, I'd seen one of your videos. I don't know. I think it was in Nikki's group or something like that, where, where you did just that, you know? I wish I was sitting right next to you. <laughs> oh, okay. I think this is. So yeah, I think it's powerful work. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think this podcast, I'm so glad you actually created it because I think it's going to be a really powerful vehicle to help others to give themselves that permission to. And you really inspired me. You really did. I'm actually <laughs> building a website. Now I'm emotional. <laughs> so good. This is, this, is, this is what it feels like. When you give yourself permission to cry, to be, even on a podcast. I'm really grateful. Yeah, and I'm grateful you, you created it and I'm grateful you invited me. Because I think it's like so many people. And that's the thing. It's like not the, all these people out there. It's like for me, that's not that long ago, you know, that there was always the sense that you had to sort of try and predict what other people might want from you, mm. you know? No, I think it's always felt like, you know, I'm, I'm like really horrible at video games. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm totally useless. And I always had the sensation, like, you know, and I worked in IT and I was like, you know, a bunch of blokes and I said, Oh, you know, this video, you should try it. And, and I would, and I sometimes had, that sensation that you kind of move in an environment where you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And you know, like when, when you try in one of those shooting video games and, and they kind of say, well, you just click here and then you kind of have to shoot whoever's there. And then you pick up weapon. I'm like, what? you know, and you sort of kind of try and move around, try and figure out what you're doing and you get whacked around the head from angles you don't expect. Mm. That's what that feels. That's what for me that felt like Mm. that when you, try and ex- try and sort of guess what the expectations are and then you work really hard to live up to them and then all of a sudden sometimes it works and sometimes you get whacked around the head you know and and understanding that no actually the 
the only thing I can do for myself and for everybody else is to just be myself. That's when it's almost like, okay, I understand the rules of the game now and now I can play. It doesn't mean that I will never lose or never get whacked around the head, but it's like you can actually go out there with a sense of grounding and enjoyment and power that just isn't possible otherwise. With a sense of not having to guess. Because we don't need to. We just, as you said, play the game and see what, what, what happens. And on this very beautiful note, I think we've come to an end of this beautiful, beautiful podcast. Thank you for joining me and thanks for inspiring me, Anka. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to seeing what you create with this. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you'd like to listen to the other episodes, please go to my website, butv.com. Bye for now.